You choose Columbus Business First every week to give you the inside industry intelligence for nearly every business sector in central Ohio. And Columbus Business First chose Crate Media as its official podcast partner for its unique show, Women of Influence, now 70 episodes strong. With 4 million shows, hundreds of millions of listeners, and industry advertising revenues approaching $4 billion, podcasting is the fastest growing audio medium in the U.S. From law to medical, construction to automotive, retail to real estate, every brand has a story. Let Crate Media help tell yours. Visit crate.media slash CBF to learn more about how we can help while receiving a free one-hour casting session with our expert producers, which will help to uncover and shape your company's branded podcast. To learn more about sponsoring Columbus Business First Women of Influence podcast, please email Advertising Director Steve Hewitt at shewitt at bizjournals.com to get started. That's S-H-E-W-I-T-T at bizjournals.com. You always have to know who you are and know what you stand for. Because when you come up against opposition, you really kind of have to know that you're not going to just get blown around by criticism by people. You've got to kind of have that grounding. From Columbus Business First, it's Women of Influence, an interview series showcasing some of the most powerful women in the Central Ohio business community. I'm your host, Eleanor Kennedy, and on today's episode, we're chatting with Nancy Manajazic, CEO of Manifest Solutions Corps, an IT consulting firm. She entered the IT industry almost by accident, but over the past 30-plus years leading Manifest Solutions, her focus on hard work, team building, and company culture have helped her create a flourishing women-led enterprise. So I wanted to start. You uh, work in the technology industry, IT. Yes, how did you first get interested in that industry? I actually wasn't even interested in it. I was uh, a pharmaceutical sales rep mm-hmm. and looking to change jobs. I was living in Dayton at the time. I wanted to come back to Columbus. And I was looking for uh, a new job. I had an interview scheduled with a pharmaceutical company. The gentleman who was supposed to meet me ended up being late. His plane was delayed. And I happened to be at a location where they were having an IT hiring fair. Oh, wow. (laughs) And this was in the 80s. So there's a bunch of men in suits and white shirts and, you know, red and yellow, you know, power ties of the of the era. And so since I was the only woman, I figured, well, I'll wait for somebody to come and talk to me. (laughs) I wasn't going to keep asking every man, are you from here? And a gentleman came up to me and asked me if my name was Tina. And I said, no, my name's Nancy. He said, well, I'm looking for Tina. Sorry, I'm not her. We started talking. He was the owner of an IT consulting firm. Uh-huh. And we talked for about an hour. And that gentleman ended up offering me a job in the industry. We talked for six weeks or so after, and I decided to accept that job versus the other pharmaceutical wow, job. Wow, wow. And that's how I got into it, <laughs> purely by accident. Uh-huh. What appealed to you about uh, making that switch? It was really entrepreneurial. They were based in Cleveland, and they were looking to open a Columbus office. Mm-hmm. I always wanted to, I came from a family of entrepreneurs. My grandfather was, my mom was, my dad was. So the ability to try something new and to have the ability to start something from scratch appealed to me. And I figured, well, I was in my early 20s. If I failed, I could always start over. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It gives me something uh, to learn. And so I decided to give it a shot Mm -hmm. and then just fell in love with the industry. That industry she fell in love with, especially at the time, was a very male-dominated space. Nancy's approach to navigating this issue was simple. Less focus on differences in gender, 
more on people's personality. By taking an interest in each colleague or mentor as an individual, she forged an attitude that gave respect, but also demanded respect in return. I was one of the very few women in the industry at that time, right, when I started in the 80s. And I could have started off on the defense of saying, you know, I'm the only woman in the room. And I said, no, I'm here to learn. Mm -hmm. I'm here to understand. I'm here to be able to relate with one person at a time. So I didn't try to figure out how was I going to make, how was I going to deal with a male-dominated industry? I said, well, how's this guy? Mm -hmm. So I would talk and try to get to know this man and this professional. And if I could learn something from him, good or bad, that's what I would do. And I would take that with me. Mm -hmm. And if I wasn't received by a specific man because he felt I was, you know, this was the 80s now. Okay, so my hair was, (laughs) okay, probably too big to even get through the door. I actually used a picture of that in uh in my one presentation, I said, these are the, this is the hair you only read about in books. Okay. I actually wore this hair, uh-huh. but if they didn't take me seriously because of that, then I knew, you know, it's like, okay, that's fine. I didn't take it personally. I said, okay, I learned and moved on. And as I got to really relate to everybody, one person at a time, and I grew in my confidence and understanding, then my impact was set that much better. Just know who you are. Don't walk in with preconceived notions, allow people to get to know you first because everybody makes judgment calls me first walk in. Like I said, I'm sure when I walked in with that big hair, they're probably like, oh my God, what just walked in the store? But as they got to know me, the respect mm-hmm. began to grow. Mm-hmm. And here I am 34 years later, still having a great time. I mean, the mentors in my career, because there weren't many women in, were all men, mm-hmm. right? And they mentored me wonderfully, mm-hmm. respectfully. And the 80s was not known for <laughs> political correctness, right? I mean, the 80s was pretty wild. But these men took a lot of a lot of genuine interest, a lot of respect, taught me a ton about the industry. And so I owe it to them. But then I want to then not just pay it forward to the next generation of women, but men too. Because mm-hmm. if we can kind of bridge that and we bring both together, right? But things have changed over the past 30 years, seemingly in all industries, but especially in IT. Nancy shares what's different today. The 80s, yes. There's not very many of us. Gosh, I even hate saying that. That really dates me, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I've, I've seen the industry grow. Actually, when I had a woman in tech conference a few years back, I told the ladies at the end of my talk, it was a lot about that personal branding things. Like, what do you stand on? What are the pillars of your brand? And I told them, I said, the industry has changed so much in the over 30, you know, 30 years I've been in it. And I told the women there, I said, this is your time, mm-hmm. okay? It's changed. You have an opportunity of a lifetime now, so you need to go out there and take it. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is your time. Don't hold back. It, well, I guess just talk a little bit more about that. What, what do you mean by... Well, you see so many more women, especially in the vendor community, there's a lot more women sales, sales reps, mm-hmm. but you're seeing so many more women just coming into technology or into engineering fields. They're, they're getting into that STEM yeah. field. And they bring such a different perspective. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting to see how these, how these, you know, there were so few women when I first started, but now there are so many that I'm watching their careers grow. And they're really understanding how much impact they can have. And mm-hmm. not even because they're, they're women, it's just their mindset. It's a, it's a different problem solving. And I mm-hmm. think when you're trying to put a team together, you really need the diversity of thought but the commonness of purpose. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because if you don't have a commonness of purpose, that's where a lot of conflict comes comes in. If you can get a team focused on the purpose and the meaning of the work and they're excited about it, 
it brings a whole bunch of fun when you've got all these different personalities and different areas of focus. And it's, it's interesting to see, you know, whether it's men or women, you know, the, the single folks that are just kind of starting their careers, then you've got the ones with new kids, Mm -hmm. right. And you see that kind of that balance of that mindset coming in. And then the parents of middle schoolers or teenagers, and then the parents of adult children, you know, you see all this life experience coming into this group Mm -hmm. and it's so cool. And I've seen a lot of women Mm -hmm. just kind of a broader pool. Yeah, they really, yeah. And they're coming in and they're just, they're confident, they're ready to go. And they're bringing a lot to the table. Mm -hmm. Love it. Manifest Solutions was born out of a bad experience after Nancy lost control of her previous company. Looking for next steps, sage advice from her father led her to start her own business. In between, I had another organization with a partner and we owned that business together for four years, and then we fought over control. Oh. He won, I lost, and oh. I started Manifest in My Kitchen. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, wait, let's, let's sidetrack into that a little bit. What did you learn from the, the, the fight with the partner? Any lessons you took away? Yes, I really thought about it, and I, it really became a very philosophical war between us. Mm-hmm. And when, I, when we split, and I didn't know what I really wanted to do, my dad was very, very, you know, real blunt guy, always was very loving, but he was not one that minced words. And he said, you know, I've heard you for years now through two organizations, how you would do it differently if it was you. He said, well, now's your time. Mm-hmm. He said, now you can either, you know, shut up and do it or, you know, shut up and leave the industry, but it's time to take action. What are mm-hmm. you going to do? Because mm-hmm. I believe you can do it. It's up to you. Do you believe you can do it? Because now's the time. You're not married. You don't have kids. Mm-hmm. They're going to risk it. Do it now. So I did. And so coming off of that prior experience with a partnership, how did things start to formulate with your new partner? Yeah, it was very interesting when uh, Chris and I first started working together and we in just when he was an independent contractor for my firm for many years, we used to chuckle. He said, well, I would never be an employee for a business. I said, that's okay. I'd never have a partner again. So interestingly enough is as the boot camp grew and we saw how special that was, what we learned about each other is that we were very much aligned. I mean, just on all aspects, on how we want to run a business, how we want to treat customers, how we want to treat employees, how we want to treat each other, that that alignment was so tight that I said, I'm ready to to take the gamble. And he said, so am I. And, mm-hmm. and we worked it out. But yeah, I think that was that was divine intervention because I don't think either of us was ready, but I think once we realized <laughs> how special that this thing was and the team we were building around it. I mean, you know, it's it's always great leadership, but you've got to have the right team and the right people around you. And we have a really good team. I mean, just from the recruiters to the administrative staff to, you know, the the consultant support group that we have. I mean, they're all bought in and we're all really trying to do the right thing for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. This new partnership snowballed into a larger focus on honor, integrity, and faith. I asked Nancy a bit more on how Manifest is doing things differently. It was the culture of it. It was the way I was going to interface with clients. It was the, inter- the way I was going to interface with employees. The industry had a very a kind of bait and switch kind of mentality to it. Not very, you know, transparent or forthcoming. Um, I did things like disclose my costs to my clients. They knew how much my costs were, so they knew how I priced mm-hmm. um, what I was doing. That was not heard of in the industry. I was the first one who pretty much started that, which wasn't very popular. Uh, most with the clients, wasn't with my competition. <laughs> and I told my employees how much I was billing for them. Uh-huh. 
So they knew. And that was not also done. Mm -hmm. It was just a very forthcoming, transparent organization. I guess it was it was really based on a lot of philosophy around my three pillars of my brand, which is my honor, which is my word is my bond, my integrity, which is I don't make a decision if I feel torn apart by it. I've got to really feel like that's right body, soul, and spirit with it, you know. And then my faith. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm a I'm a Christian gal. I'm a praying gal, and that's really what I built the whole foundation of the company on. Mm -hmm. Nancy places a large focus on employees, training, and recruitment within her firm, which eventually led to their unique idea of a boot camp, a short transitory period for recent college grads to become full-time employees in the IT workforce. So we are an IT consulting firm. So we place different levels of IT professionals on a contract basis with clients. But we also have a unique offering, which is our boot camp, where we raise our own talent uh, with a six-week program where we bring them on as full-time employees. We train them from college, get them ready to be productive day one. So that's a part of that uh, consulting model. We also do customized training for clients. And then I have an outsourced IT group, which we call virtual IT, where we are the IT departments for owner-operator-based companies. Mm -hmm. So we do all of their hardware, software, monitoring, security, those types of things. Got it. So what uh, motivated the kind of the boot camp model? Because that does sound unusual and, and feels a little bit like it's a steep upfront investment, at least of time on your end. What's the advantage of it? So the industry took a really big hit in 2008 and 2009. My organization um, actually from 2008 to 2009 got cut in half from December 31st to February 28th of 2009. So my organization was cut in half. Uh, and I was pregnant with my twins at that time. So it was a really entertaining uh, period <laughs> of owning the business. And we were limping along, really trying to get ourselves back on our feet. And my partner, my now partner, Chris Judd, came to me with, with an idea in 2010 saying, look, I really want to put this boot camp idea together. I've been working on it. But it's one of those things where we don't want the students paying us like a coding school. Mm -hmm. We want it to be a commitment upfront. Are you comfortable with, you know, listening to what I have to say? I said, yes, we looked at it. I thought it was very unique bringing college grads in through a very, very specific process. Our process is extremely tough to get in. Mm -hmm. Committing to those salaries for, you know, six weeks, then, you know, continuing to customize train them before they go into a client's location. And then even ongoing support in developing an entire career for them. So this wasn't just a training class and throw them into a, into a client. It literally is trying to help these folks navigate their career in IT. I was in, but mm -hmm. I didn't know financially how I could do it. So then he came to the table and said, well, I won't take any pay and I'll train the whole six weeks. Mm. And then that's how we got it started. And then what I did is I paid him back over time for the money he wasn't getting paid when he was training. Yeah. And he was, was your partner in the business at that point? He was or? not. He was actually an independent subcontractor for me at that time. And so he was the type that he wasn't salary. So if he didn't bill, he didn't get paid. Yeah. And he ate six weeks of billing. Wow. And I paid him back over time. And then mm -hmm. once we got through the first year and the boot camp was up and running, I was able to, we brought other trainers in. Previous boot camp graduates would come and then train mm -hmm. the next generation. So it was much of a pay it forward type of mentality. Mm -hmm. um, and we just started seeing these folks' careers grow. We 
you know, he taught them how to do conference speaking. We taught them how to really understand training, not just other boot campers, but clients. We learned how to customize train and they really, I, I chuckle. I mean, there's, they seem like these, you know, young kids coming out of college, right? And I'm seeing them grow into wonderful professional men and women. Mm-hmm. And it's neat to watch them develop like that. Well, yeah. How do y'all, you said it's a, a pretty rigorous process to get into the program. How yes. do you recruit? What are you looking for in the talent to be in this boot camp? It's an attitude aptitude, right? And both are equal. We definitely want the right aptitude because if you, it's a very rigorous process. So you've got to be able to take a lot of information in, in a very short period of time and be able to survive you know, being in class eight hours a day, there's reading you have to do, there's assignments to be done. So there's a lot that comes into it, but it's the attitude. Mm -hmm. We want an idea of a person that really understands that what they do is important, right? What they do means something and that it's not just a job and all about them, but it's about uplifting the entire team that you're with. And that starts day one. We try to really instill that in them, even in the interview process, Mm -hmm. that it isn't just fingers on keys you're impacting this business. These applications you're writing are impacting the people that are going to be using those applications, right? I mean, I'm an end user on certain things. When you find an application you can use well, that's very user-friendly. I mean, that's wonderful, right? Mm -hmm. And so we want folks that have that type of attitude. And so when we find that, and we do a lot of different things. We do aptitude testing. Chris does an evaluation of them. Then uh, my vice president, Doug Deacon, and I meet them for the last interview to see if we see that affinity to be able to be a consultant, because there's a different mindset when you're not that full-time employee sitting Mm -hmm. at that desk or now virtual. If you're coming in as a consultant, you're kind of that outsider. Do they have that affinity? Do they want to be able to do those types of things like interview all the time? And it's it's a rigorous life to be a consultant. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so it's, and after doing it for 10 years, because it's 10 years this year, So we're excited about that. You learn a lot. And Mm -hmm. we had some glorious wins and some (laughs) glorious failures. And, you know, we just kept on evaluating and uplifting as we went. What sort of commitment do you, you know, they make to you, you know, do they, are they expected to work for the company for a certain amount of time after that six weeks? Correct. Yes. So we're looking at two years, Mm -hmm. but we prorate the amount that they would owe back based upon how many billing hours they do. Mm-hmm. So it's not that they have to work for a full two years or they owe us all of it. Uh-huh. It wheels down after time. And, but you know, most of it's really a relationship that we're trying to build over those two years. It's not really so much you have this fee hanging over your head. It's mm-hmm. really, let's develop this relationship. Mm-hmm. We still have our first boot camp grad working for us 10 years later. So wow. um, yeah. And so how many employees is your firm at today or, or consultants? We're over a hundred, but you know, the boot campers is very interesting. It's, we really try to do that personality culture fit with our customers mm-hmm. because it's really not just about putting a person in a spot. They really have to fit. We, we understand our clients' management styles, the team dynamic, especially now with it being remote, that's even trickier, right? So once we get we have that understanding and we've get that really good fit. 95 plus percent of the turnover we have in the boot camp is our clients hiring them. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we don't lose them to competitors uh-huh. very, very rarely, but we definitely lose them to clients. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But to me, that's a benefit because that means we understand the strength of that consultant mm-hmm. and we understand the expectation of our client. As every business has experienced, COVID has forced rapid change in the workplace. 
Nancy's team was well-positioned to switch to remote work, and a bit of creativity from the staff has kept things like team-building events and holiday parties surviving and thriving. We didn't formally close my office. What we said was, look, if you're going to go in, because I had some folks that are like, look, I just need to get out of the house. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> if you need to go, then you should go in, you know, just for a change of scenery. Yeah, and yeah. So I said, please feel free to do that. We did not, you know, tell anybody they had to go in. They had to find their level, especially when the pandemic was new, right? We mm. had that March, April, May scenario. And then as, you know, things went through the summer of 2020, we, you know, let folks kind of hybrid. Mm -hmm. And then obviously, you know, going into 2021, we've let everybody really find their level. It was based upon, they understand, you know, what's going on in the business. They know the expectations of what we need to get done, right? Because work still needs to get done. And we've allowed each one of them to find their balance. Mm -hmm. Some folks love coming to the office more often. Some are successful working from home. Mm -hmm. And I liked the deep dive that they each did on their own. And so they didn't really make us manage them very much. It wasn't the, well, you're not getting it done, so you have to come in. Yeah. We didn't. We had very, very little of that. Mm -hmm. It was mostly everybody finding their level. We, we got together as a team. I still like to get them together face-to-face -face occasionally because I think there's an energy when you mm -hmm. do, that you can't get when you're on a screen. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so we still do those types of things. We were able to do um, a couple of, you know, employee outings, you know, where we got together and just for the folks who were comfortable, mm -hmm. come and just fellowship together. Do you only, is, is are all of your employees in Central Ohio or do you hire remotely? Yeah, we do hire remotely. Okay. So we have some, and then we also have some employees that are actually not even physically at clients in the state. So we yeah. have some in Texas, some in Tulsa, some in, yeah. So we have some all so over, you're, some you in Indiana. Yeah. Spread. I just feel like that's such a sea change now for so many employees, employers recognizing that, oh, like I don't actually necessarily need to hire somebody in Columbus. Exactly. Like, if they're only going to come to the office once a month anyway, yeah. or less than that. And so. that, my team came up with really unique ideas, especially during the Christmas season last year. I mean, they came up with extremely unique ideas on, because venues were not open, right? Mm -hmm. Our consultant engagement manager came up with a 12 days of giveaways. And so we had different prizes each day and we would just get together and, you know, she would do a drawing. And so we had all sorts of things. And then we had a virtual Christmas party where we did all sorts of really fun activities, even though it was online. And mm -hmm. we had great participation, but creativity can come out of times like this, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You just have to let people's minds just... Wander, see what you can figure out, and let's see if we can have some fun with it. We, I was thinking our office, we used to go to the kitchen and do a, like a cooking contest for our Christmas party, which we did not do last year. And we were not sent ingredients, which I feel like our publisher should have done. <laughs> but I was, so I was just remembering our Christmas party and that we had a Jeopardy game that I was too intense about <laughs> that I had forgotten about until this exact moment. Or it was the right level of intense, I think. And we've done things like that before COVID. We had like a chili cook-off. We've mm -hmm. had, you know, potlucks and things just to give people a chance to feel part of a team. Yeah. So you mentioned you have twins. I do. Twins that are 12 and I have an 18 year old daughter. How, how has your work life changed as you, you know, adapted to being a working mom? And now as they're getting a little older, I guess, are you, you know, putting more time into the business? <laughs> well, it's, it's one of those things where owning my own business, I had flexibility, right? So I actually created a nursery when my uh, first one was born and 
she pretty much came to the office with me from when she was, you know, 12 weeks old. And she pretty much grew up there, you know, from oh, wow. in her walker running around the office uh-huh. and, you know, checking everybody's cube out. And what was really fun is that my employees, like I could just tell if they were having a bad day, they'd come in there and, you know, just play with her or talk uh-huh. to her. I think they just needed, and then the twins was even crazier because I yeah. had two of them running around. She stayed at the office until she was about two and a half. Then I put her in daycare. But my clients allowed me to take her to meetings with me. So we wow. got lunch meetings. My twins too. Uh-huh. I, I changed diapers on clients' desks. Now, you wouldn't think that would be going on. But I mean, it was it was yeah. that. They were that open. So uh-huh. I've been very blessed even in that regard where I just kind of took my kids along. Wow. Now, I don't know what they were thinking when we were going over project plans. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but they paid attention. So it was very, very interesting. Yeah. I feel like this. This past year, that's certainly become people are having a lot of virtual meetings with kids uh, in the yep. uh, in the room. Not as much. I feel it's a little unique to have them on the client visits with you. Yeah, it was. Huh. Well, pivoting a little bit more back to you, where will we find you on a free Saturday morning? So, probably at the barn with my horse. Oh, so uh huh. So I ride. Um, my youngest daughter is a horseback rider, so am I. So uh-huh. we'll go there, and we're cleaning stalls and picking hooves and where is the barn at is it it's a a friend of ours owns it out in london we live in west jeff but it's out in london but yeah so you'll see us there Uh uh, with hay on us you know feeding goats and mucking stalls very glamorous yeah (laughs) has that always been an interest of yours did you get an period after your daughter did or i used to tease my mom because my kids would always say, man, grandma, you always gave mom everything she wanted. I said, she never bought me a pony. Uh-huh. I always wanted a pony when I was a kid. So I ended up getting, getting horses as an adult. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's so, cool. Uh, yeah. I feel like that's the, like the go-to thing that you want when you're a kid. So yeah, it's it, it was. So I always razzed my mom that I didn't get uh-huh. I buy it myself. So yeah, I, uh-huh. I can guilt her into it still. Does your daughter ride like competitively or just? Yeah, she shows. She shows at 4-H and then, um, yeah, she shows, I wouldn't say competitively. We go to open shows. It's not, there's a real competitive circuit. Yeah. Um, you know, horseback riding. No, we're not in that. Okay. It's, it's more pleasure. We like to trail ride, things like uh-huh. that. Uh-huh. Yeah, that sounds so relaxing. I yes. took a horseback riding class in college. How'd uh, you like it? Uh, I liked it a lot. Uh, I feel like that's something that makes my, my college was very uh ridiculous in some ways but it was I'm not super comfortable with the animals so sometimes I was a little anxious but you know once you get going I feel like it's very relaxing it is pleasant to bond with the horse and see some nature and stuff I just get nervous going up and down hills yeah and And they all have very different personalities Uh right so it's a you know a horse is a very emotional animal so it's really interesting if you bond with one how it Mm -hmm. yeah where, where did you get your horse? I actually um, found it online, which I know now how dicey that is. Uh-huh. But, uh, he actually was as advertised and he was just, he's a big, he's a big bulky guy, black and white, and he's a big teddy bear, but uh-huh. he's, he's a lover. What's his name? And a brat, Titan. Oh, that's good. That's appropriate. <laughs> yeah. But he's very sweet and he's, uh, you know, he's pig pen now. He's black and white and he just loves to roll in the mud right uh, after I give him a bath. So, uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. But, That's fun. But he's fun. <laughs> and we have three dogs and birds. And I mean, I get it's, I live on seven and a half acres and if it's, it's definitely animal farm. At my, uh-huh. <laughs> so, my kids want the horses there. I said, no. Horses uh, stay it's a step too far. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I guess the, the question I like to wrap up with, which is kind of a big one is just, if you were to uh, give a piece of advice to a young woman entering uh, the 
professional world right now uh, who might want to follow in your footsteps, what advice would you offer her? So basically the same thing that I told my oldest daughter and I'm telling the younger two now. That was what my dad told me. He says, you always have to know who you are and know what you stand for. And again, that evolves, that what you stand for evolves over time, right? When it comes to some specific things. But knowing who you are, because when you come up against opposition, which you always will, right? Whether it's mean girls, right? In school, you know, either criticism by people or maybe having a tough teacher, Mm -hmm. you know, that you might think is picking on you. You really kind of have to know that you're not going to just get blown around. You've got to kind of have that that grounding mm-hmm. and know what you believe in. I mean, if it wasn't for my faith, I don't know if I'd have been able to get through a lot of the things that I've been through mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. past. I think I would have been crushed under the weight of it. So that core is the most important thing because that way, as you as you face life, you can you can look at it through that lens and you're not feeling like, I was a victim of circumstance mm-hmm. and, and the respect is really individual to individual, not are you man or are you woman? Mm-hmm. And I think we work better that way. Mm-hmm. And my culture is built all around that. Mm-hmm. You're an individual. Mm-hmm. I don't put you in a category. I don't put you in a box. Mm-hmm. You're here. I care about you. That commitment of being an employer means something, right? You're not just a line item on my balance sheet. Mm-hmm. You're a person. You believed enough to join. I have a responsibility to make it, you know, worth it so that you know you're cared about and, you, and that, you know, we want to try to build your career. So well, that's perfect. a big responsibility. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds like a, a great place to work and I appreciate you sitting down to talk with us a little bit. So thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you. Really yeah. appreciate it. It was fun. And a special thanks to you, our listeners. For new episodes of Women of Influence, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Eleanor Kennedy, Assistant Managing Editor of Columbus Business First, and you've been listening to Women of Influence. Women of Influence.